Callie. This is going to be my first episode on The Hunger Games, and I would like to say that The Hunger Games is probably my favorite book series, and one of my favorite movie series as well, so I'm very excited to read this. Now, because last time uh, my episode was so long, like almost 40 minutes, instead of doing full chapters, I'm going to do half a chapter per episode. So, um, let's get on with it. Chapter 1. When I wake up, the other side of the bed is cold. My fingers, my fingers stretch out, seeking Prim's warmth, but only finding the rough canvas cover of the mattress. She must have had bad dreams and climbed in with our mother. Our mother. Of course she did. This was the day of the reaping. I prop myself up on one elbow. There's enough light in the bedroom to see them. My little sister Prim curled up on her side, cocooned in my mo in my mother's body. Her cheeks her cheeks pressed together in sleep. My mother look looks younger, still worn, but not so beaten down. Prim's face is as fresh as a raindrop, as lovely as a primrose for which for which she was named. My mother was very beautiful once too or so they tell me. Sitting at Prim's knees, guarding her, in, is the world's ugliest cat, mashed in, no, in nose, half of one ear missing, eyes the color of rotting squash. Prim named him Buttercup, insisting that the muddy yellow coat ma match the bright flower. He hates me, or at least he, distrust, he distrusts me, even though it was years ago. I think he still rem remembers how I tried to drown him in a bucket when Prim brought him home. Scrawny kitten, belly swollen with worms crawling and with fleas. The last thing we I needed was another mouth to feed, but Prim begged so hard, cried even, I had to let him stay. It, tur it turned out okay. My mother got rid of the vermin, and he's a born mouser. Even chased, chases the occasional rat. Sometimes when I need a, when I clean a kill, I feed Buttercup the entrails. He has stopped hissing at me. Entrails, no hissing. This is the closest thing we'll we will ever come to love. I swing my legs off the bed and slide into my hunting boots. Supple leather has molded to my feet. I pull on trousers, a shirt, tuck on my lar tuck my long dark braid into a cap, and grab my forage bag. On the table under a wooden bowl to protect it from hungry rats and cats alike sits a perfect little goat, cheese wrapped in bed in basil leaves. Prim's gift to me on the reaping day. I put the cheese carefully in my pocket as I slip outside. Our part of District 12, named The Seam, is usually crawling with coal miners heading out to the morning shift at this hour. Men and women with hunched shoulders, swollen knuckles, many who have since dropped, stopped trying to scrub the coal dust out of their broken nails, the lines of their sunk in the lines of their sunken faces. But today, the black cinder trees are empty. 
shutters on on the squat gray houses are closed. The reaping isn't until two. May as well sleep in, if you can. Our house is almost at the edge of the scene. I only have to pass a few gates to reach the scruffy field called the meadow. Separating the meadow from the woods, in fact, was closing all of District 12 is a high-chained uh, link fence topped with barbed wire loops. In theory, it's supposed to be electrified 24 hours of the day as a as a deterrent to the predators that live in the woods. Packs of wild dogs, lone cougars, bears that used to threaten our streets. But since, we're lucky to get two or three hours of electricity in the evenings. It's safe to touch, even, even so. I always take a moment to listen carefully to the hum. That means the fence is live. Right now, it's, it's silent as stone, concealed by a clump of bushes. I flatten out on my belly and slide under a two-foot stretch that has been loose for years. There are several other weak spots in the fence, but this one is so close to home, I almost always enter the woods here. As soon as I'm in the trees, I as soon as I'm in the trees, I retrieve my bow and shelf of arrows from a hollow log. Electric fight or not, the fence has been successful in keeping the flesh eaters out of District 12. Inside the woods, they roam freely, and there are added paths to follow. But there's also food if you know how to find it. My father knew and taught me some before he was blown to bits in a mine explosion. There was nothing even to bury. It was a. It was eleven then. I was eleven then. Five years later, I still wake up screaming for him to run. Even though trespassing in the woods is illegal and poaching carries the severest of penalties, more people would risk it if they had weapons. But most are not bold enough to venture out with just a knife. My bow is a variety. Oh, my bow is a rarity crafted by my father a very few others that keep a well hidden in the woods. Carefully wrapped in waterproof covers, my father could have made good money selling them, but if the officials found out, he would have been public, publicly executed for inc inciting a rebellion. Most of the peacekeepers turn a blind eye to the few of us who hunt, because as hungry for flesh meat as anybody is, that the fact they're among our best customers. But the idea that someone might be arming the, se the seam would never have been allowed. In the fall, a few brave souls seek and sneak into the, into the woods to harvest apples, but always in sight of the meadow always close enough to run to the safety of District 12 if trouble arises. District 12, where you can starve to death in, in safety, I mother, and then I glaze quickly over my shoulder. Even here, I'm in the middle of nowhere. You worry someone might overhear you. When I was younger, I scared my mother to death. The things I would blurt out in District 12, the people who rule the country 
Penem from the far-off city called the capital. Eventually, I understood this would only lead us to more trouble. So I learned to hold my tongue and to turn my features into un an indifferent mask so no one could e ever read my thoughts. Do my work quietly in school. Make only polite talk in, in pu public market. Discuss little more than trades in the hob. Which is, black, which is the black market where I make most of my money. Even at home, where I am less pleasant, I avoid discussing tricky topics like the reaping or food, storage or food shortages or the hunger games. Prim might begin to repeat my words, and there, where would we be? In the woods waits the only person with whom I can be myself, Gail. I can feel the muscles of my face relaxing, my pace quickening as I climb the walls to our place. A rock ledge overlooking a valley, a thicket of berry bushes protecting it from unwanted eyes. The sight of him waiting there brings on a smile. Gail says I never smile except in the woods. Hey Catnip, says Gail. My real name is Katniss, but when I first told him, I had barely whispered it. So he thought I said catnip. Well, then, when this crazy lynx started following me, following me around in the woods looking for, for handouts, it became his official nickname for me. I finally had, a ki had to kill the lynx because he scared off game. I almost regret regretted it because he wasn't, he wasn't bad company. But I got a decent price for his pelt. Look what I shot, Gail. Gail holds up a loaf of bread with an arrow stuck in it, and I laugh. It's real bakery bread, not the flat, dense loaves that we made from our grain rations. I take it in my hands, pull out the arrow, and hold the puncture in the crust to my nose, inhaling the fragrance that makes my mouth flood with saliva. Fine bread like this is for special occasions. Mmm, still warm, I say. He must have been at the bakery in the crack of dawn to trade for it. What did it cost you? Just a squirrel. I, I think the old man was feeling sentimental this morning, says Gail. Even wished me luck. Well, we all feel a little closer today, don't we, I say, not even bothering to roll my eyes. Prim left us cheese, I pull it out. His expression brightens at the treat. Thank you, Prim. We'll have a real feast. Suddenly, he falls into a capital accent as he mimics Effie Trinket. She manically upbeat, the, the manically upbeat woman who arrives once a year to read the names at the reaping. I almost forgot. Happy Hunger Games, he plucks. A few blackberries from the bushes around us. And maybe, and may the odds. He tosses a berry in, in a high arc towards me. I catch it in my mouth, and he breaks the delicate skin with my teeth. The sweet tartness explodes across my tongue. Be ever in your favor. I finish the equal verb. We, ha we have to joke about it because the alternative is to be scared out of your wits. Besides, the capital accent is so affected almost 
is so affected, almost anything sounds funny in it. I watch as Gail pulls out a knife and slices the bread. He could be my brother. Straight, back, straight black hair, olive skin. We even have the same gray eyes, but we're not related. At least, not closely. Most of the families who work in the mines resemble one, one another this way. That's why my mother and Prim, with their light hair and blue eyes, always look out of place. They are... My mother's parents were, were part of the small merchant class that caters the, official, the officials, peacekeepers, and the occasional seam customer. They ran an apothecary op shop in the nicer part of District 12. Since almost no one can afford doctors, apothecaries are, the, are our healers. My father got to know my mother because he hunts because on his hunts he would sometimes collect uh, medic medicinal herbs and sell them to her shop to be brewed into remedies. She must have been really she must have really loved him to leave to leave her home for the seam. I try to remember that when all I can see is the woman who sat blank and unreachable while her children turned to skin and bones. I try to forgive her for my father's sake. But to be honest, I'm not the forgiving type. Gail spreads his bread into the soft goat cheese, carefully placing a basil leaf on each one, on, on each while I, while I strip the bushes of their berries. We settle back in a nook in the rocks from this place. We are invisible to have a clear view of the valley, which is teeming with, with summer life. Greens to gather, roots to dig, fish iridescent in the sunlight. The day is glorious with a blue sky and soft breeze. The food's wonderful with cheese seeping into the warm bread and the berries bursting in our mouths. Everything would be perfect uh, if this really was a holiday, if all the day what off meant was roaming the mountains with Gale, hunting for tonight's supper. But instead, we have to be standing in the square at two o'clock, waiting for the names to be called out. We could do it, you know, Gale says quietly. What, I ask, leave the district, run off, live in the woods? You and I, we could make it, says Gail. I don't know how to respond. The idea is so preposterous. If we didn't have so many kids, he, he adds quickly. They're not our kids, of course, but they might as well be. Gail's two little brothers and a sister, Prim. And you may as well throw our mothers in, too, because how, because how would they live without us? Who would fill those mouths that are always asking for more? With both of us hunting daily, there are still nights when the game has to be swapped for lard or shoelaces or wool. Still, nights when we go to bed with our stomachs growling. I never want to have kids, I say. I might, if I don't live here, says Gail. But you do, I say, irritated. Okay, that's half of chapter one of The Hunger Games. 
Alright, now it's the part where, if you haven't seen the first episode, it's the part where I read a few fun facts. Spoiler warning, of course, to those who haven't seen the movie or read the books. Anyway, so, here is the fun fact number one. There were hundreds of wigs on set of The Hunger Games. Wow, that's hilarious. A lot of work goes on behind the scenes. There's a reason why citizens of the capital look so dang extravagant all the time. They were eligibly 35 full-time makeup artists and 450 wigs on set the first film. Wow, that's hilarious. Okay, time for number two. Let's see. Hold on. Okay, Jennifer Lawrence, who played Katniss in The Hunger Games, had a salary of almost $26 million for all of The Hunger Games films. Now that is a lot of money. That is a lot. So for the first movie, she had $1 million. The second movie, $10 million. And, um... Hold on. So, they first paid her $1 million, and then in the first movie, $10 million. The second movie, $15 million, And then that's all they paid. So, let's see. Okay. So, fact number three. Last fact of the day. Susan Collins said that a historical Roman gladiator games inspired the hunger, the creation of the Hunger Games. Even certain terms she made up from the no, from the novel derive Roman expressions, such as penem, which comes from the expression penem at the senses, which um, it's her senses, which translates to bread and circuses. That's funny. So penem derives from a Roman expression. Wow, those are some really interesting facts. Anyway, thank you for joining me for this podcast. Um, if you would like to see more, I am coming out with a, a bunch of new ones very, very soon. So, um, if you saw these podcasts and you like them, please consider following following me. Uh, thanks you for thanks for listening. Have a good day. Bye.